0: gospel lesson for today, the 19th Sunday after Pentecost, comes from Mark chapter 9, verses 30 through 37. They went on from there, and they passed through Galilee. Jesus did not want anyone to know it, for he was teaching his disciples, saying to them, the Son of Man is to be betrayed into human hands, and they will kill him. And three days after being killed, he will rise again. But they did not understand what he was saying and were afraid to ask him. Then they came to Capernaum, and when he was in the house, he asked them, What were you arguing about on the way? But they were silent, for on the way they had argued with one another about who was the greatest. He sat down, called the twelve, and said to them, Whoever wants to be first must be last of all and servant of all. Then he took a little child and put it among them, And taking it in his arms, he said to them, "'Whoever welcomes one such child in my name welcomes me. "'And whoever welcomes me welcomes not me, "'but the one who sent me.'" The Gospel of the Lord. Well, people of God, may the grace and peace of our triune God be yours today and forever. Amen. I'm a pretty big fan of stand-up comedy. I think it takes one heck of an entertainer to be able to stand up in front of people and be consistently funny for an extended period of time. It's a talent that I wish that I had. I don't, but I really respect the people that do. Now, I follow a lot of different stand-up comics, and there's a lot of different albums that I've had over the years that I've listened to a lot, but I remember one in particular that dates back to my college days in which the comedian was comparing Catholic priests, and I can't help but think that pastors probably fall under the same category, but he was comparing them with entertainers. And he pretty much said, you know, they stand up in front of a group and they lead the the activity of what's going on, they're really kind of entertainers. There's a lot in common. He said, but think about comedy. Comics, we can talk about whatever we want to. We can choose a subject, and if that doesn't work, we can choose a different subject, and if that doesn't work, we can choose another subject. He says, but the priest has to stand up every single week of his life and spend 15 minutes talking about the exact same topic, time after time after time. And I can't help but think, but there's a grain of truth to that. Because the gospel, which is of course the basis for preaching or for proclamation or for sermons or messages or whatever you wanna call them, the gospel doesn't change. And so yes, we essentially are doing the same thing week after week after week. Now, that being said, normally the stories from the gospels or from the scriptures that we, that we feature oftentimes, almost all the time, in fact, will change from week to week to week. So at least we have some differences that we can can spend some time with, even if the overarching message is pretty much the same thing leading to the gospel. In the very least, we've got a little bit of variety. But I can't help but think, this time around, this week, that is not the case. And that idea that we're using the same thing week after week after week is a little too on the nose because if you happen to catch the message from last week, whether it was from the online video or in person, or if you just listened to the audio of it online, either way, you probably thought to yourself, this sounds really familiar. And if you thought that, you are correct because the main subject of what we're talking about today is almost identical to what we heard a week ago. These are what we call the passion predictions of Jesus. The time during his ministry when he predicts, not just once, not just twice, but three different times what is coming up when they get to Jerusalem. Now this portion of Mark's gospel, they're on the way to Jerusalem. The, The traveling ministry seems to be coming to a close and they are heading towards Jerusalem. And Jesus knows what's gonna happen and he has been sharing that. We heard this last week, here's what sounds familiar. Last week we heard that he began to teach them that the son of man will be betrayed and he will be tortured and he will suffer and he will die but on the third day he will rise again. That was in chapter eight of Mark's gospel. Now you'll notice this was from chapter 9 and it sounds really 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 familiar. The son of man will be betrayed into human hands and he will be tortured and he will be he will suffer and he will die and on the third day he will rise again. Now, I've already mentioned it. Jesus does this three different times that we have recorded in the gospel. So maybe you're thinking to yourself, well, last week we had it once and this time around today, we've having it for the second time. I guess that means next week we're gonna have the third one, right? Well, no, actually, we are spared that. We will not have the third one. The lectionary assigned texts actually skip over the third one, but we sure enough this time around have it two weeks in a row and it sounds really, really, really familiar. I can't help but think that this reveals something about what Jesus knows about his audience, that sometimes they need to hear things more than once, that telling it one time is not sufficient, especially when it doesn't seem like they get it. Now let's think about what happened last week. Last week as Jesus begins to teach them about what it means to be the Messiah. And he says the Messiah is going to be betrayed and is going to die and will rise again. They cannot wrap their heads around it. And I can only imagine the the disciples, this group of 12 people, are probably all like talking amongst themselves. Like, what's he talking about? What's he mean? I don't understand this. What's it mean? And then Peter, Peter stands up and rebukes Jesus. And we hear in one of the other gospels, he's like, this cannot be. And then he gets a vocal smackdown from Jesus when Jesus says, get behind me, Satan. You're setting your mind not on divine things, but on human that happened a week ago. And then some other things are going on. We have some other stories happening in the narration, some of them kind of big. And now we have this again. And it repeats, it sounds almost verbatim, the same message that Jesus is once again, teaching the disciples, he will be betrayed, he will be handed over, he will suffer, he will die, and he will rise again. Now this time, The narration tells us, Mark tells us, reassures us perhaps, that they didn't understand it. They still didn't get it. This isn't the first time they've heard it. They didn't get it the first time, they're not getting it now, but this time they don't say anything. This time they all kind of clam up and I find myself wondering why. If they're questioning it, why don't they say anything? Why don't they ask Jesus, what are you talking about? Maybe they're remembering that vocal smackdown that Peter got the last time, and they don't wanna have that repeated. They don't wanna come in their direction. They don't wanna anger Jesus. Maybe they're thinking about some of the other events that have happened since since the last time in the gap between last week's gospel and this week's gospel. Some big things have happened, including this event known as the Transfiguration, when Jesus goes up a mountain and somehow His divine nature comes shining through, which is scary enough by itself. And not only that, but the voice of God, the creator, the one who made all of this says, this is my beloved son, listen to him. Maybe the disciples are thinking about that moment and thinking, well, God said that we should listen to him. And so if he's telling us about this stuff, even if we don't understand it, we better not question him. Maybe that's what's going on. It's hard to say exactly why they clam up, but for whatever reason they do. And I find myself wondering as they're walking along through the region of Galilee, which Mark tells us they're up to, I find myself wondering how long that lasted before maybe this group of people kind of stretched out a little bit and the ones who were a few steps away from Jesus started whispering among themselves and bickering about things because we hear that's going on. And we even hear what they're bickering about, though Jesus asked that question. When they finally get to their destination, Capernaum, they all gather in the house and Jesus says, hey, what were you guys arguing about on the way? And we hear that they clam up again, probably because they know that what they were arguing about, what they were bickering about, is not gonna be a real high ranking on Jesus' popularity scale. They were arguing about who is the greatest, about who is called the greatest. Now, in our translation, it just says who's the greatest among them. But in the original language, it says, who is called the greatest? When Jesus reveals this to them, he goes one step farther. Again, they don't say anything. They probably know, and he's not gonna like this very much. Maybe they've learned that along the way that at least that does not seem to rank real high in terms of Jesus type of things that he's worried about. But when he brings it up, he says, what were you arguing about? And then he says, you wanna be called great be a servant to all place yourself last place everyone else in front of you because you have been called to serve this is not a new idea all throughout jesus teachings all throughout his ministry he continues to show us over and over and over again that he came as a servant to all that he came to give his life as a ransom for many, which is the ultimate service, and that we as followers of Christ, we as disciples, as ones who follow after him, we are called to do the same. I dug into this idea just a little bit as I was thinking about all of this because it's interesting the way that that original language says. They're arguing about who's the greatest, about who's called the greatest. And I wanted to see In the original language, how often does that particular word, to be called great, how often does that show up? And you know what? In Mark's gospel, it's this one right here, and there's only one other time. Jesus is asked, what is called the greatest commandment? Do you remember that story? Do you remember how he responds? He says the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your mind and all your strength. And the second one is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. As I think about that, what Jesus calls the greatest commandment, what Jesus commands us to follow as well, that is the greatest. And that mirrors so closely what he's talking about here. Love God and love your neighbors. Well, how do we love them? We treat them with dignity, we treat them with respect, and we serve them, placing their needs above our own that seems to be what Jesus is getting at. But then he takes it one step farther. And he doesn't just say you have to serve everyone, but he gives them a literal example when he takes this child, and he puts that in their midst. Now, the thing about that, in first century Palestine, in the Holy Land, in, England, in, in, in in Israel, in this time, children would have been considered one of the lowest in the social standings. No rights very 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 much pushed to the margins they are the ultimate marginalized but he puts this child in the midst of them and he says you want to be great welcome this one care for this one serve this one because by welcoming this one you're welcoming me what you have done for the least of these you have done for me this is another teaching of jesus and then he goes one step beyond that too and he says and not only do you welcome me but you welcome the one who sent me. You want to live in harmony with God? You want to live in harmony with one another? Be a servant to all. Remember that it's not just about you. It's not just about what you stand to gain from this. Maybe that's what the disciples were thinking about. They were still stuck on this whole Messiah idea, whatever that might mean. And they seemed to think, based on what they had seen in the greatness of God, which has shown through Jesus in so many different ways, they thought by association they would receive some benefit from it. But Jesus doesn't seem to think that. And he teaches them over and over and over again, that's not what this is about. Love God, love your neighbor, but we know that we never pull that off do we that try as we might try as hard as we might no matter how good our intentions are we never really fully pull that off and that our own brokenness our own selfishness whatever we want to call it will get in the way and we will hinder we will harm those relationships between one another and between us and god and this gospel that we talk about over and over and over every single week, this gospel that we share with one another says, be honest about it. Own those times when you fall short, when you let someone down, whether it is another person or God or ourselves, be honest about it, confess it, and rely on the mercy of God, the grace of God, which is freely given to you and to all people and it is made manifest somehow in the life and the death and the resurrection of Jesus when he gives himself as a ransom for many this suffering that he must undergo that he tells his disciples about not once not twice but three different times this gospel of the Lord the God the divine one who became human lived and then died but then rose again in order to make harmony possible, in order to make relationship possible, in order to overcome that which hinders. That is the gospel that we talk about week in and week out. And maybe we need to hear it week in and week out over and over and over again to remind us in those times of doubt, those times when we forget, those times when our human nature gets in the way, that our God is bigger than anything we could ever hope to accomplish. And that God has accomplished this through Christ.